The Los Angeles Rams with another victory, third in a row, Tuesday night football, check, Seattle Seahawks, check, sweep them up in the division, improved to 10-4. and four. A lot to discuss in this one, who stood out, who didn't play so well, a lot of topics as well as that NFC West title potentially on the table here. We're going to discuss it all on this episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendias. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams Podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked On Rams. This episode is sponsored by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. And as you guys can imagine, we have a lot to discuss on this episode of the Locked On Rams pod. It's Wednesday. We're on a victory Wednesday kind of vibe right now. Very weird to say. Tuesday night football. I think I could get used to it, to be quite honest with you. Maybe a double header on Monday night or something like that. I don't know. I kind of like this vibe, but weird to cover. It's strange, but there's a lot to discuss. The Rams win this game 20 to 10, sweep up the Seattle Seahawks this season, right? This team is now 2-0 against the Seahawks. But at the same time, there was a lot really to you know talk about here. You look at the Rams only winning 20 to 10. Of course, that you know pass interference at the end of the game there, all that good jazz. Ah oh, man, there's gonna be a lot of discussion about that. We'll keep that for the end. We'll try to you know put a pin in it for now and we'll kind of unravel that when we get there. So I want to begin with some of the good first quarterback Matthew Stafford. Thought he played solid in this game. Goes 21 of 29, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and the interception kind of looked like a miscommunication type of error to me. Of course, we need the all 22 to uh 100% solidify that kind of answer there, but look like it to me and the offensive line struggled they didn't have right tackle rob haven sign out no joe no boom either they're on their third string guy bobby evans out there he struggled mightily and so did some of the other guys they give up four sacks in this game one of which was on evans for sure one of which was on whitworth which doesn't usually happen potentially someone else i would have to again go back and watch the tape to confirm exactly what i saw live but he never really looked 100 comfortable but you still saw some of those shades of how much talent Stafford has. I mean, you look at that second touchdown to Cooper Cup. My, oh my, he's got a defensive tackle bearing down on him, throws a laser down the middle of the field. Cup is completely covered. It looked like a cover two kind of situation. A dime, absolutely perfect. Cooper Cup catches it, walks it in. And that's when it really felt like, okay, let's take a deep breath here. The Rams are in control. They feel like they got a good shot to win this game. It was sloppy before this. 3-3, I think it was at halftime. The Seahawks come out of halftime, score a touchdown on like a 75-yard drive. The Rams are down 10-3, and they had no business being down 10-3. They were driving the ball very good in this game. They just continue to shoot themselves in the foot when they would get around the 40-yard mark of the Seahawks' side of the field. Again, that might be up to the whole COVID thing. You talk about 30 players being on that COVID list a few days ago. Makes sense why the Rams might have been rusty in this one. Moving to the backfield here. This is Sony Michelle's job. Let's just call it what it is. Daryl Henderson back. He played a bit in this game. Six carries, 23 rushing yards. Sony Michelle, 18 rushes, 92 yards, average of 5.1 yards a pop. And then he chips in another two receptions on two targets for 23 yards receiving. Two or three plays where he broke tackles. Man, those were impressive. One was on the screen pass. One was on a rushing attempt. And it was actually, I think, the longest rush the Rams had this year, 39 yards. 
put the Rams in scoring range. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a touchdown. The first one from Stafford to Cooper Cup. This guy is so good. I mean, he runs very hard, always grinding his feet after contact. Does a good job of just creating yardage where it's not there. And I just don't think Henderson is doing that right now. Again, it's finally back and it's good to see him back. I think there's a role for this guy too. But Michelle is clearly the lead back right now. I think he has to be. He's proven more than enough over the last few games. This guy is clearly someone we have to circle moving forward for the Rams. Someone they should feature on that offense because the offense seems to find an identity and take after him when they start to see that tough running. And you even see it in Daryl Henderson. He comes in this game. There's one or two runs where he stood up and he's holding guys up. And then the offensive line comes behind him and they push another six, seven, eight yards and they get a first down out of it. That is a contagious type of effort, and it spreads throughout the locker room. You see guys going to war for you on that field. You're probably going to feel a little bit obligated to put in a little bit extra effort too. So that's the kind of vibe that I get from this guy. Not just a good player, not just productive, but he's also giving that intimidation factor that I'm going to go all out. Everyone can count on me type of thing, and I love it. I think he's been super consistent, very, very good player for this team. Now, moving into the last aspect here of the offense, the wide receivers, it was quiet. I mean, Ben Skoranek had five targets in this game, four receptions. You probably didn't expect that. I know I didn't. Van Jefferson, two receptions, 23 yards. Odell Beckham, one reception for seven yards. He had another nice one on third down. It was probably about 10 yards that he converted, but it was called back due to Bobby Evans not being lined up on the line of scrimmage, which was frustrating. But other than that, it was the Cooper Cup show. This guy is something. He's something else. He's special. And we talked about it on the other day's episode. Pro Bowl, that's great. This guy, he's in discussion, I think, for more than that. He should be in the discussion for Offensive Player of the Year or MVP. If if we can make a case for Jonathan Taylor to be in the discussion for MVP, why is Cooper Cup not in it? This guy is getting to be on pace to potentially break Calvin Johnson's record. I got to break the numbers down. First player in NFL history since the Super Bowl era to have 90-plus receiving yards in 10 games straight in any season ever, dominant. He's already set the franchise record in receptions for the Rams. Still got three games left to go. Puts up a nine-catch, 136-yard, two-touchdown performance in this one. Special. That's all we can say about him now that we haven't said. Special. You're talking about one of the all-time great players in this franchise this season. It's going to go down in history for the Los Angeles Rams. And if he can break that record, and I said that, I think it was 119 yards he needed throughout the last four games to break that record. He's definitely getting closer now because he had 136 in this one. That brings that number down even more. And now Cooper Cup is really closing in on that potential record. Don't care where it comes from. I don't care that it's in 17 games compared to 16. Shout out to Calvin Johnson, one of the all-time greats, maybe the greatest receiver in terms of talent ever. Never going to take that away from the guy. But if you can break a record, you deserve consideration for OPOY and MVP and all these other records and statistics and accolades because that is not easy to do. We're talking about a guy that nearly had 2,000 yards receiving in a season. And here Cooper Cup is potentially going to break that absurd i mean it is absurd it is crazy every single time the rams need a big play if it's third and seven or they're struggling on offense cooper cups don't want to do it again that stood true in this game a little bit of sony michelle as well like i mentioned he breaks a tackle has a nice 39 yard rush and it might have been the very next play or a couple plays later it's cooper cup who finds a little hole in the zone very nice 10 yard touchdown for matthew stafford and then i talked about stafford's second touchdown to him dime and he made multiple plays down the field where he's covered. He has no business catching a football on third and 10. And Stafford air mills it, balloons it, says, go get it. And Cooper Cup works his way back to the football with a guy draped all over him, draws a PI flag, still pulls it in. I mean, spectacular. He's done everything 
and then some for this offense. And there's a couple of guys that stood out on defense as well, as well as that offensive line. We'll dive into it in just a second here. Before we get there, though, make sure to follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP, at Locked on Rams, and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. And Super Bowl 56 is less than 100 days away. It's going to be at Grand SoFi Stadium, where the Rams did their thing last night. Great game. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's on location, exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. And now we're going to pick up with where we left off here. Before we do, thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked on Rams. I want to transition now to the final part of the offense. Talk about that offensive line. Thought they struggled in this one. And we could probably expect that, right? You look at a not just a backup right tackle. You're talking about a third stringer here in Bobby Evans. And I don't want to rag on the guy, right? He doesn't deserve it. It's hard for him to step up in that position, definitely. But at the same time, just not a great performance. You give up four sacks on Matthew Stafford. Felt like every time it was very inopportune, the sacks the sort of just kind of stacked up there. And while Sony Michelle actually came away with a decent game, 5.1 yards per carry, there was a little stretch there where, you know, they try to run it on first down. It's second and 11. They try to run it on second down. They gain a yard. You know, they could kind of clean that up a little bit. Not going to rag on those guys too much. I just didn't think they played their best game. And a lot of that sort of held back the offense in this one, which was unfortunate. But in general, they got the job done. 20 to 10, you can't complain. It's hard when you get a new right tackle. It's hard when you go to a third stringer. You get your center, Brian Allen, back in this game. There's a lot of mixing and moving around, right? Moving pieces here. It's hard to get that chemistry down and the gelling down. And never mind just coming back from an injury for a guy like Brian Allen. You know, this is a guy that suffered an ankle injury basically misses two weeks, probably rusty coming off that kind of, you know, no practice time. And now you're playing hurt. It's very hard. So I'm not going to knock those guys. Just think they should clean it up. Hopefully they can moving forward. Now we flip to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, anytime you give up 10 points in a game, you probably did something right. You probably did something good, right? You look at Russell Wilson, 156 yards passing in this game. That is just God awful. One interception, no touchdowns, three sacks, that interception came at the end by Taylor Rapp. The Rams dominated this guy. They always find a way to just abuse him. I don't know how they do it consistently. You got the Leonard Floyds, the Vaughn Millers, the Aaron Donalds. Those guys do it consistently. Then now you see the Greg Gaines stepping up. You see some of these other players, and there's a lot of guys that stood out in this one. To begin, you look at Vaughn Miller, notches his first sack for the Rams here. Love it. I mean, you love it. I thought he was solid in this game. Again, we're going to need to dive into this in depth and get a better look in terms of who stood out and how they really did under a fine-tuned microscope there. Uh, but he gets his first sack. He looked active in run support. You got to like that. Aaron Donald, another sack against this team. That's number 15 for his career against the Seahawks, number 11 for his season this year. He might be closing in on DPOY himself. I think he's got a discussion uh, to be had there and could have a case to be made there dominant i mean dominant once again a bunch of guys ernest jones 11 tackles he's a guy that had that i guess you can call it game changing stop there on fourth down probably should have been a call actually we'll call for sure should have certainly been a pass interference call but that's good coverage you know he needs to kind of turn his head around because next time they will call him on pi there 
but good coverage. And it's not his fault Russell Wilson underthrew that ball. If he puts some air under it, yeah, well, DJ Dallas might be dancing towards the end zone kind of thing, or he's definitely converting. So, you know, they should have called it. Bad miss call, no doubt about it. And I think Rams fans would be pissed off if it happened to their team. But, you know, sometimes the refs don't call it. And uh, you don't want to put it in their hands either way. Ten points scored by the Seahawks. It's not going to cut it. I mean, they need to do better. Bottom line, I thought the Rams played a better game and they deserve the win, regardless of the no call or miss call. And I know it definitely potentially changed the outcome of the game at the end of the day. But, you know, at the end of the day, you scored 10 points and uh, the team just didn't do well. So, yeah, it sucks. They definitely missed the call. It is what it is. We move forward. Some of the other guys, Jalen Ramsey, he was peppered in this game. I don't have the actual PFF numbers here. He might have been targeted, you know, six or seven or eight times in this game. Russell Wilson really went his way consistently in this one. And it makes sense because he was covering DK Metcalf and that was his best receiver. Tyler Lockett does not play in this game. So, you know, I'm not going to fault Russell Wilson for trying to go to Metcalf, but against Ramsey, man, that's a tough matchup. And what's funny about it, DK Metcalf won on a couple routes. Only problem, Russell Wilson, not on his game today. He could not throw the ball deep enough on one play. If he does, DK Metcalf probably has a touchdown. We're talking, you know, 60-yard type of touchdown. Underthrows it, gives Jalen Ramsey all the time in the world to go catch up, recover, slaps it away. I mean, in terms of Ramsey's game, thought he was really good. I thought he was really good. Of course, you're going to get beat sometimes. That's the name of the game. That's the DK Metcalfs of the world. Those guys run fast. They're big. They're strong. And they're pretty good receivers, right, at the end of the day. So, you're going to lose sometimes. That's the way the game goes. But at the end of the day, still find a way to recover, still find a way to limit, you know, a big weapon like that. And I think that's really all you can try to do at the end of the day right here. You're looking at somebody who's really good. You're not going to get DK Metcalf in a game where he's the wide receiver one, the only weapon, and walk out of it with, you know, seven yards receiving. That's not really the game plan. The game plan here is don't let this guy kill you. Don't let him go score a 57-yard touchdown and change the game. They did that. You know, they could be cleaner in terms of the coverage and certain things like that, but solid job. Some of the other guys, Dante Dion steps up. He gets beat deep, recovers, puts his hand in between the hands of the receivers, punches the ball out last second. I think it was against Dwayne Eskridge. Another great play. You get beat. You need to recover. Play through the whistle, play through the rest of the snap, and you can find a way to still win that rep. And the Rams did exactly that. Very, very classy by their corners. And I don't think Darius Williams did anything in this game. He was not really called on. I think he might have had a tackle or two. I don't even know if he gave up a reception. Totally clean and quiet game by him. Funny to think that maybe Russ was avoiding this guy. Maybe. If I was Russell Wilson, I probably would have after what he did to me last year. Yeah, that might have been the way to go. Really, outside of that, didn't think anyone needed to be kind of singled out here. In general, just a really good job by the defense, right? 150 yards from Russell Wilson. You'll take that all day. All day, you'll take that. DJ Dallas, 41 rushing yards, solid game by him. Rashad Penny, 39 rushing yards, solid game by him as well. 3.5 yards per carry, not exactly great. And in terms of the receiving, you know, it's fairly quiet. Six receptions for DK Metcalf, 52 yards. Gerald Everett, four receptions, 60 yards. He had a big one before half that actually put the Seahawks in field goal range, basically. But other than that, I mean, you're talking about a clean performance here and a really good one by the Rams. I think offensively, sloppy. Things to clean up for sure. You want to be, you know, a little bit more consistent, down to down, drive to drive. You want to be able to move the ball a little bit more and definitely finish when you start to get close to the red zone or in the red zone, those kinds of situations. But, you know, we talked about maybe the COVID thing was really hampering them there. And then defensively, solid. Again, places to clean up for sure. I thought there was a few snaps where they lacked pressure, really gave Russell Wilson a lot of time to throw that ball deep. That was a little bit concerning. Uh, the running game, 
probably for the Seahawks looked a little bit more lively than the Rams have allowed anybody to do, you know, over the last three games or so, maybe even longer. They've been basically stifling running games. This one, Seahawks had a little bit of success, not a ton, you know, it wasn't crazy, but there was, you know, a few five, seven, eight, 10, 12 yard runs that I'm sure the guys are going to want to get back and then finishing it all off. You know, you want to stay away from the penalties. You want to stay away from all those kind of calls. I think there might've been, you know, two holding calls, a pass interference, that kind of stuff. And that's always going to put you in a little bit of a tough situation, but all in all this, you couldn't ask for a better performance. I think from the defense, other than one drive, 75 yards coming out of half, really, that was pretty much the only drive they gave up. Other than that, it was just clamps all day. We're going to either pressure one time or we're going to get a pass breakup on another rep. It was good. I mean, it was a really good performance, and I think we all expected that. Once we saw that Tyler Lockett was not playing in this game, the Seahawks don't have all the kind of firepower that you know one of the top offenses do in the NFL this season. It's just not the reality. They don't have Chris Carson back there at running back. Don't have Tyler Lockett out there. That leaves you with only so much on offense. And, you know, the Rams have a lot of good defenders. So I think they felt pretty good about going in this one. I know I did. As soon as I figured out, you know, this guy's not going to play. That guy's not going to be available. Started to feel real good about the Rams' chances on the defensive side of the ball. In just a second here, we're going to dive into the remaining aspects of this game. And the NFC West race just got a little bit tighter before we get there though make sure to tune back in tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week we're going to continue breaking down this game and then moving forward into our crossover episode between the rams and the vikings my man luke braun gonna join me for that one but before we get there this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar because you're going to get the same kind of taste but at the same time you will not get the guiltiness that comes from eating a candy bar the built bar low in calories low in sugar low in fat, low in net carbs, and it's high in protein. So not only do you get the health of it, but you also get the taste of it. It's like getting the best of both worlds. And there's so many different flavors. So you can find something to please absolutely everybody. Probably have a hard time choosing. Raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, whatever the case is. You know, I go with coconut every time, but a lot of different options that you can take with you. If you're going shopping on the 24th, closing in on Christmas here, you want to go do that last second shopping. Go take one with you. Throw it in your jacket, throw it in your purse, throw it in your car, your glove compartment, whatever the case may be. That'll help you get throughout the rest of that shopping trip. It'll fuel you. I promise you that. And if you don't like protein bars, you can go try out some other other stuff. They got marshmallowy bars and treats that are called Built Bar Puffs. Very different compared to their protein bars. Different flavors, different textures, different everything. And they're all covered in chocolate. Very delicious. They've sent me some. I've tried them. Can vouch for them. The lemon dip cheesecake in particular, that one's fantastic. If you guys want to go check it out, go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. And thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at locked on Rams for your second daily listen. Go check out locked on bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee sterling now we can pick up with the finishing touches of this game and then the nfc west talk i talked about it on yesterday's podcast episode if you guys missed it things are getting juicy here and i think they're getting exciting for the rams man 10 and 4 arizona cardinals 10 and 4 there is no space between those records anymore at this point in time we're starting to look at divisional wins conference wins head-to-head tiebreakers all that kind of stuff that gives me a headache i hate looking at it i mean this time of year always confusing in my opinion Just go get a better record. Take care of business. That way you don't got to deal with it. But 
you know, obviously comes down to more than just that. Now, finishing touches for this game, the Rams, not the cleanest game they've ever played. They come out with a 10-point victory. They shut down the Seattle Seahawks, ruin their season. Seahawks are done. I think this is the first time in Russell Wilson's career he won't be able to finish at least 500 or above. Might be wrong on that, but I'm quite certain that that was the case. So the Rams got to feel good about that. They got to feel good about sending the Seahawks to Cabo early. You know that there's a little bit of a rivalry there. And then third of all, the Rams improved to 10 and four. They get themselves on a level playing field with the Arizona Cardinals, the last team in their division that they really, really have to go neck and neck with. Maybe the San Francisco 49ers too. Those guys are right below those teams. So that's all the positives from this game. Not the cleanest game. You still come out with a 10-point victory. I think you got to feel good about that. Really speaks to the talent that the Rams have on their coaching staff, on the field. Not a good game. Still a 20-10 to 10 victory. At the end of the day, you'll take that every single time. Now moving on to this NFC West talk. It's about to get fun, right? The Rams got the Vikings next. They got the Baltimore Ravens after that. Then they finished off with the San Francisco 49ers. Tough game. Tough games really all the way across. I mean, that's a hard schedule to finish off with. Three teams you're really going to have to scrap it out with to try and win. Then you look at the Cardinals. Very tough for them as well. I mean, they might have somewhat of a cakewalk. We'll dive into it here. They got the Indianapolis Colts next, the Dallas Cowboys after that, and then the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. The Rams got a shot here. Not only to just win the NFC West or whatever, but they might win the second seed in the NFC. If they can really get things together here and finish off strong, the Bucs, they have a lot easier schedule. They play the Panthers twice, and I can't remember who the last team is, but they lose to the New Orleans Saints. Gives the Rams a little bit of a breathing room there. And of course, the Rams do hold the head-to-head tiebreaker there. They beat the Bucs earlier this season, but the Bucs still likely to finish above them just because their schedule is so much easier. Now you look at the Rams and the Cardinals. Someone there might be the third seed. Someone there might be the fourth seed, depending on how the Cowboys finish out this season. But I don't know how you go into this next week and think that the Cardinals are favorited over the Colts. I certainly don't think they are. I think the Colts are a better football team right now. I think they're playing better football. And I think they match up well against the Cardinals. Cardinals, not good against the run. Saw it last week. The Detroit Lions devoured them. The Detroit Lions, you heard me correctly. And no, it wasn't with Jamal Williams. No, it wasn't with DeAndre Swift. It was with an undrafted free agent called Craig Reynolds. Yeah, a guy that really hasn't done anything the entire season. Crazy. Now, yeah, they get the pleasure of playing someone like Jonathan Taylor. And then next week, they get the pleasure of going against the Dallas Cowboys, who are fighting for their own playoff lives right now and playoff seating too. It's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough for the Rams too. Don't get it twisted. The Vikings, the Ravens, and then the Niners. There's no cakewalk there. The easiest one, probably the Vikings coming up here, but Kirk Cousins has played good football this season. Dalvin Cook, really, really awesome running back. Might be the best in the league, to be honest with you. And that's a team that is fighting for their playoff lives as well. I think they're on the outside looking in right now, but it's all getting fun down to it now because every game means something for pretty much everyone. Unless you're, you know, the Seahawks or the Jaguars or whatever, the Houston Texans, you're pretty much fighting for your lives right now at this point in the season, or you're fighting for playoff seating. And I know that every team would rather play at home or rather have a bye week in the playoffs than go on the road and play, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or something like that. Right now, the Rams can't really afford to slip up anymore. I mean, yeah, you can lose a game maybe depending on what happens with the Cardinals. They might lose two games. They might lose three games. They might not lose none. I don't know. My guess is the Cardinals probably lose two out of their next three and they finish off at 11 and six. And I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast. The Rams can get to that 12 win mark. You win two out of your next three. I think you feel good because then I think at that point you're looking at 
okay, we're in the top four seeds. We beat the Cardinals for the NFC West. We took the division. I think that's what it's going to come down to. If you can hit that 12-win threshold, you're going to win this division. I might be wrong. The Cardinals might win 12. They might win out and go to 13. But I think right now with the way they're playing, the injuries they have, no DeAndre Hopkins coming back, uh, the performance of that team, the youth of that team, I think it's starting to catch up to them here. I'm going to go ahead and say they win 11 this season, and I think the Rams can get to 12. I mean, you just got to win two. Don't let the Niners sweep you, right? Or take care of the Minnesota Vikings this weekend or go into a Ravens game where Lamar Jackson will probably be back and healthy for that one, but you know you don't know how he's going to play coming off of an injury. And then you see Tyler Huntley play a really good game too. So a lot of question marks right now. I mean, this is the best time of the season. The Rams riding a three-win hot streak here. Uh, they got their stuff together. We'll call it, you know, keep it PG-13. They got their S together here, uh, and they look a lot better. They look more comfortable offensively. I think the defense is starting to still click here. Raheem Morris, I think he's getting into his groove a little bit and starting to feel comfortable calling that defense and getting, you know, the plays right and all that good stuff. And I still think there's a new peak or a higher peak for them to reach. This is not their peak potential. You know, it's not. I still think with the talent they have on offense and with, you know, the performance that they have on the coaching staff, the proven stuff that they've showed before, I think there's more out there. You know, I look at that Cardinals game. To me, that was a pretty decent barometer of where they can be. And you talk about, you know, not having five, six starters in that game. So obviously the barometer is even higher than that. For me, it's higher than that. For sure it is. And I look at that game as one of those things like, all right, when they're really on, they could play like this, except they could be even better because they didn't have everyone out there. You know, that's a scary thought, I think, for the Cardinals right now. I think if you're Cliff Kingsbury, if you're Kyler Murray, if you're a Cardinals fan, you should be sweating. I would be nervous for sure. The Rams have gone to the playoffs. They have proven they can get there. They've gone to the Super Bowl. Like this team has done a lot, right? They're not exactly still trying to prove themselves. The Cardinals, on the other hand, are. Like, this is a young team. They haven't proven anything to anybody. I think we all expected for them to crumble at some point. And right now we're being proven right. And it's not just a loss to the Rams, right? Divisional games are weird. I get it. It's a loss to the Lions right after. And now what are they going to do? They got the, you know, toughest two-game stretch they might have all season. And pretty much their backs are against the wall. You have to play 100% clean. You can't afford to lose anymore. Otherwise, you're going to be traveling on the road in the playoffs. So it's fun. The NFC West is getting good. I know everyone's enjoying it. I am too. When the games mean just a bit more, like their playoff games, oh man, there's so much more to take from it. You know that every little call, every little mistake is amplified, especially when they get to the playoffs. But it feels like we're almost there now. We're almost there now to the point where these games feel like, you know, 75% of what a playoff game should feel like. Oh, it's cool. It is really, really cool. And I think the Rams are catching heat at the right time. Hopefully they can continue it into next week. You got a Minnesota Vikings team that's coming off a victory themselves fighting for their playoff lives and the Rams, you know, they're not going to roll over for nobody at the end of the day, going to be a good one. And we'll discuss that more later this week on the locked on Rams podcast. Before we get there, make sure to tune back tomorrow. We're going to share our final parting thoughts and in-depth PFF numbers on this contest here between the Rams Seahawks, 20 to 10 victory victory Wednesday Rams fans go enjoy it. Make sure you guys can always come follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP at locked on Rams and on YouTube at locked on Rams and make sure to click that little notification bell icon to get updated when we post every single day, 8 a.m. Eastern. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.